understands the reality of what marriage really is. It's God's plan, and it's a good plan. When, as you have chosen to come here, you have chosen the best from the good because there's a lot of good things you could have done today, but you've chosen the best from the good. And because you've done that, I want you to recognize God sees your heart. He sees your desire and your passion for the things of the relationship that you have with your spouse. You look wonderful. You look great. I, I love looking out and, and seeing your smiling faces and, and some of you that are visiting, uh, you're good looking. You're just as good looking as Valley Community Church, but uh, thank you for being here. And uh, before uh, we dive into this, I, I, I just really want to share with you my passion of what I'm wanting to do is we're going to begin today by demystifying marriage, by literally creating an atmosphere of understanding of God's plan so that uh, marriage is no longer something that we are afraid of. It's no longer a, a place or a thing or a relationship, whatever we call it, that it, it causes confusion in our, our walk with God. Because uh, probably most of us have received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And if you haven't, I want you to listen to the gospel and the love of God today and recognize that we serve a good God. And when he created marriage, it was with uh, good goodness, and it's perfect. And the reality of marriage is something that wherever you're at in your marriage, whether it's good or you're struggling, it's a good season, a bad season, whatever it is, I want you to understand that today, you'll hear it today, healing is for today. And all it is is not that you have to do something, it's going to take you years to get over something, it's bottom line, God can take your marriage right now and change it and transform it today. And that's my heart, that's Terry's and my heart, the leaders of our church, if you were visiting, that's our heart in relationships. This is a part of a larger body of Christ and Valley Community Church. We believe in God's plan for marriage and no other plan. But before we dive into there, I thought this was pretty funny. It's called the marriage proposal. How many of you rem remember when you proposed? Some of you had to go, oh, wait a minute, that was... <laughs> there were these two elderly people living in a Florida mobile home park. He was a widow widower and she was a widow. They had known one another for a number of years. And now, one evening, there was a community supper in the big activity center. These two were at the same table across from one another. As the meal went on, he made a few admiring glances at her and finally gathered up his courage to ask her, will you marry me? After about six seconds of careful consideration, she answered, yes, yes, I will. So the meal ended, and with a few more pleasant exchanges, they went to their respective places. But the next morning, he was troubled. Did she say yes or did she say no? He couldn't remember. Tried as he would, he just could not recall. Not even a faint 
memory. With trepidation, he went to the telephone and called her. First, he explained to her that he didn't remember as well as he used to. Then he reviewed the loving evening past. As he gained a little more courage, he then inquired of her, When I asked if you would marry me, did you say yes or did you say no? He was delighted to hear her say, Why, I said, Yes, yes, I will. And I meant it with all my heart. Then she continued, And I am so glad that you called because I couldn't remember who had asked me. To have and to hold. To have and to hold. Think about that title of our conference. When I got married, the counseling I received was a counseling from people that loved us, Terry and I. But I believe it was far from real biblical counseling because bottom line, it was really career counseling. Talking to me about, you know, in life that there's going to be a lot of things. You're going to be gone a lot because you're starting your career in ministry, and you know how ministry is. It takes you away from the home, and, and Terry, you need to understand that, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, there's a reality in all of that that was said, but it really didn't show me really what marriage is all about. What I have found in over 40 years, actually 43 years of ministry, and 40 years of marriage is that a lot of people really don't understand God's plan of marriage. And because of that confusion, struggle manifests. Bottom line, when I was young, I was just dumb waiting for a place to happen. I really didn't understand. Now, Terry, in the beginning of our marriage, Terry just had a passion from the time that she was small, about home and what the home was to be about. Maybe she didn't know everything that she knows today about marriage and biblical marriage, but Terry just had this passion for our home, and I believe it's because of her, it caused me to dive deep and to really try to understand what marriage is all about. And because of that, bottom line, she was just a passion for the home, and she was beautiful, and she's more beautiful today, and especially because she realizes God's plan for her in our marriage. After a few years of marriage, this deception began to fall off my eyes, and by allowing the Holy Spirit to give me revelation of the mystery of the marriage, and for years we traveled, and, and I would teach on Ephesians chapter 5, which bottom line right on the sides of your notes is Ephesians 5. And read that over and over and over and ask the Lord. We're not going to teach on Ephesians 5, but I taught that. We traveled. I, uh, when I traveled by myself, I did a marriage conference in Africa. Culturally different. And so what I want to say to you that culturally uh, skin color, where you were raised, what, what side of the track you were on, whatever it is, God's plan for marriage works for everybody. And the struggle again is that we got married not knowing God's plan. 
I was deceived of who I was. I was deceived of my wife's co-equal place in our relationship because I didn't know the laws and the, the, the things that God had set apart from the beginning regarding marriage. So let me make some statements, and then I'm going to begin to dive into this, but um, this is basically an introduction. My wife will be speaking to you about a very interesting topic on the second uh, session today on intimacy, and then Sunday morning, I will be speaking on the second part of what I'm teaching on, Sunday night on the third, and then the following Sunday morning, I will be teaching on the fourth session of our marriage conference. Now, um, this will be recorded uh, probably by Wednesday of this week. Uh, it will be downloaded, the podcast, so you could pull it up. And, uh, of course, Sunday morning it will be live streamed. But I'm asking that you would continue to come and be a part of what we're doing here because there's something really in interesting and important on us being together and really having a same focus and a same goal. So I was, I was talking about how, how uh, you know, going to Africa, going to the Philippines and teaching on these different things and, and culturally different. Um, you know, even when you travel to other nations, you really can't tell jokes. They don't work in other nations. You tell jokes and then I'm, I'm laughing and no one's laughing, you know. So I learned quickly not to do that. But I love it just hanging out with here at Valley because uh, uh, I love this place. I love the people of this church. So let's make some statements. The first is marriage is the safest relationship on the earth when God's laws for love are honored. It's the safest relationship. Marriage was created by Almighty God, and He is a good God because He's a good God. Nothing, nothing that He created, you know, has something where it's bad. God did not make a mistake. What God planned from the beginning was right. He doesn't create anything that would harm us. When we slam marriage, we are slamming God and his plan for us. Now, because of this deception, what we find, what I find, is that you and I will go into marriage with fear. For those that are looking to be married, uh, that I'm telling you, marriage has nothing to fear because God planned it, and if you walk in with your spouse with the laws of God regarding marriage, fear has no place, and you can walk with confidence that you will succeed and have great happiness. I'll show you why, what's happening in our, our country. In 1930, 83% of adults were married. Today, it's between 45 to 48% are married. We fear anything that we, listen closely, that we don't understand. When we don't understand something, we fear it. We judge marriage based on the emotions and the, the, the feelings and the hurts and the past hurts of other people. Most people who have failed in a marriage are innocent. 
If you're here and that you've been divorced and remarried, you're innocent. You just didn't know. And of course, you're a human, you're a person, you are to do the right, quote, thing, but the right thing was out of deception because you really didn't know what marriage was. And so the, the, the problem is, is, is because of that, we're basing how we relate to one another on false pretense. Most people who have failed in marriage are wonderful people. They just didn't know. You didn't know. So in Genesis, God, God gives us kingdom love laws we must know and follow. And there are many books out there and the four laws, the five laws, the seven laws, the three laws, all that. And I've read a lot of books, everything. But just let me just give you what I, what I believe in a simplistic way, because that's how I am in teaching four laws of marriage. These laws, and it's going to take us until uh, a week from tomorrow to give you those four laws, so stick with me the whole time. These laws create love. These laws protect love. And these laws promote love. Without these laws, there is no love in marriage. We might think there is, but there's no love in marriage. Wherever you're at today in your marriage, you can be healed. I'm pausing there because I want you to hear that. Wherever you're at, whatever trepidation you're facing, whatever struggle there is, whatever joy there is, it can be better because you grasp the truth that will bring you into a realm of success and happiness. You can succeed from today on. All our actions are based on either truth, based on a deception, or based on ignorance. Did you know very smart people can be ignorant? Ignorance is not knowing. Ignorance is not being stupid. Ignorance is not being a person that's not smart, that can't do something. Every one of us have a power that is given by God to be able to succeed in our marriage. So I'm asking you from this moment on that you develop a positive outlook on God's creation of marriage. Because there are a lot of people that I have them come in my office and their outlook on their marriage is They've come to me, bottom line, a lot of times as a last resort. Amen. As a last resort. And, and they come and, and they say, you know, Pastor, we just have a real struggle. And so when I talk to them, they're hearing my words based on their thoughts of what marriage is. And so what I try to do is I try to break that deception and bring that deception into truth so that they will get to a place in their life of now taking what the Word says about who they are, who God is, and what their marriage is all about, they will take it and grasp it in their heart and grow in that realm of their marriage. And so I'm asking you to, today, just to really just say, okay, God, you know, maybe I've made some decisions. Maybe I've responded, reacted based on a deception 
or I just didn't know. I loved my spouse, but I didn't know how to. I didn't know how to respond to someone different than me. I, I always crack up. Now I know, please, don't, don't throw something at me, a tomato or whatever, when I say this. Is You have to understand this. Is I hear this statement of soulmate. That drives me nuts. That is total deception. Soulmate. I want to base my relationship with God in spirit because marriage is a spirit power. It is a power of God. When you walk in a spiritual truth, it will cause your soul to submit to the things of God. And I don't want to be a soulmate because my soul has a problem. Amen? Okay, I'll get off that. You can still say it, and I won't say anything to you if you say it to me. But let me say this to you. Your children are watching. Your children's impression of marriage is that it is a gift because that's the safest relationship they have. They're born. You're there to feed them, to care for them. They begin to go to school and you walk them or you drive them to school and you give them a kiss and you say, I'll be here when you're done. It's the safest relationship that you have. And you must understand that they are watching you. Marriage, let me tell you, is even greater than that. It is the safest relationship on earth. Here's my second statement. You have a 100% chance of happiness and success in marriage when you honor God's laws of love. When you honor God's laws of love. Honor is to give place to. You are submitting yourself to something that's not of you. When you honor, you are honoring the laws of God and honoring one another. Let me give you a ridiculous illustration that I heard at a conference uh, in Texas. If half of the airplanes taking off were crashing, it would be a sign of intelligence, not the flight. Think about it. With half of marriages failing in America, a lot of smart people say, why would I get married? Because fear has been just implanted into the United States of America regarding life. If you, if you watch TV, it's all about fear. My point in, in this time together is this. From the very beginning, God created laws, and his laws work every single time. His laws never fail. Wherever you're at in your marriage, if you're on your second or third, I want to tell you, the laws of God never fail. For you to say you're not really set up for marriage and you can't be married, I'm telling you that's a lie from the pit of hell. You are something very special 
that God created to unite with your spouse. God has given you this ability to be able to walk in this this power. So there's no such thing as a bad marriage. It's when people get married with a wrong concept of marriage that marriage turns bad. Let's look at Genesis 2. You can get on your tablets or whatever you're using, your Bible. Genesis 2, verse 20. And we're going to see how God set up the laws of love, the laws of marriage. So Adam gave names to all the cattle, verse 20, to the birds of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib, which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Now, all those scriptures right there, I could take about three months to teach on. Sunday morning, Sunday night, three months, because there's such a vast knowledge of God's plan and God's laws regarding humanity. Therefore, man shall leave his father and mother. We're going to find the laws here. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Let's read verse 24 and 25 again. These are the four laws. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. So the next few times together, we're going to bring out these laws and name them. Listen closely, though. In the very beginning of creation of man, Adam and Eve, he said, leave father and mother. Adam and Eve didn't have a mother. So what was he proclaiming? He was proclaiming the picture of marriage to us. That this, these principles, well, that's the Old Testament. Well, that's, you know, way back then. Culture has changed and all, you know. Don't you just get tired of that mentality? The reality is, is that God said from the beginning, this is for you. These principles are for you. They were created directly from God, so they didn't have mothers. God was proclaiming to all creation in Genesis 1 and 2. In Genesis 1 speaks of the laws of the world and how it operates in creation. Genesis 2 speaks about Adam and Eve and the four laws over marriage. So these laws are universal, and these laws work for everyone, every one of you. If you violate them, the laws, you get hurt. So let's keep it simple now. If you violate the laws that God set up from the beginning, you get hurt. Your marriage struggles. If you honor them, you succeed. There is no mystery. That's bottom line. 
So all four sessions that I do, we will talk about these four laws in God creating marriage. So God created Adam out of the dust and Eve out of the rib. That's why you ladies are more complicated than us men. Question, why did God make Eve out of Adam's rib? Here's your answer. Because marriage is a covenant, which means to cut. If there is no blood, there is no covenant. Jesus said in Mark 14, let me just read this to you. Then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. And he said to them, this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many. The word covenant means a permanent sacrificial relationship, that you sacrifice yourself for the relationship. It means I am all in. I'm all in. Whatever level you must go to, you're all in. It's 100%. It's not 50-50. It's 100-100. You're all into this. And what are you into? Making sure you are honoring the laws of God regarding your marriage. Not based on what your spouse is doing, based on who you are and your understanding and lack of deception the truth of who God is in your life. Now, many vows say this, for better, for worse, that's covenant. Sickness and in health, that's covenant. Richer or poor, now poor stinks, but it's covenant. Till death do us part, that's covenant. You're all in. It is a permanent relationship a covenant that you are diving in. You are moving into a realm. Your passion, your choices, everything you do is to, to move into that sacrificial relationship that you submit yourself to your home. So what I'm about to say, I have given you a flash drive. Did you receive that, the flash drives? Okay, now that is a teaching that I did on Sunday morning at our church, uh, regarding uh, marriage is not a contract marriage, it is a covenant marriage. And I, I want you to, to go ahead and use that, and for those that are not as tech-driven as I am, we have CDs, if you want to exchange that for a CD. And you can get that out into the foyer at the conclusion of, of this session. The difference between a contract marriage and a, a Covenant marriage and a contract marriage is there's going to be a deeper teaching on that, and you'll be able to listen to that and listen to it over and over because it will break through a deception that is in our world today regarding marriage. Let me just say quickly, a contract marriage protects your rights and limits your responsibilities. A contract marriage, it's selfish. It says, I'll marry you as long as you take care of me and do right by me. It's all about me. It's selfishness. A sacrificial covenant says, I'm sacrificing my rights. Notice the world's mentality today. Everything is about my rights. I'm sacrificing my rights, and I'm expanding my responsibility towards you. 
I sacrifice my rights, my passions for me, so that I can make sure that Terry, what God called her to be, I will do everything in my power that she's able to do that. I chose her. She chose me, and she does the same thing. Do you see that? And I haven't told you the first law of love yet, but you're beginning to see what that really is. A sacrificial covenant, I'm sacrificing my rights and expanding my responsibilities. Now, let me just, I wrote this, it's kind of long, but I wrote this because I really wanted you to uh, hear the explanation. Going into an intimate relationship, you must be covenant-minded with a sacrificial mentality. You're all in and you pay the price with your life. That's what Jesus did with us. You get what you pay for and it will last. Some of you say, well, I've been paying a long time. Well, no. That's not what I mean. God created marriage as a covenant. So here's the first law. It is the law of priority. Your spouse is first. Your spouse is first. Verse 24 says, leave your father and mother. Basically, leave the authority of the house you were brought up in, and you create your own authority. It's not, you know, thanks, mom and dad, get out of my life. No, 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 that's not what it's saying. It is saying you honor your mother and father, always thankful for what you learned from them and how they brought you up. And you may have had, maybe your parents passed away when they were young, or maybe you didn't have a good father or a good mother. But the reality is there's still the law the, the a principle in God's script, God's word regarding mother and father that you honor. It is that you honor that. Adam and Eve did not have a mother, and God said, honor your mother and father. Amen. So there's no reason why we cannot understand and walk into this realm of that. And I, I want to tell you, you know, um, Last few years of my father's life, he was very, 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 very sick. And that sickness created some anxiety in his life, some anger in his life and all that. And so I saw that, you know, as as a young man from age 13 to about 17, 18. And I saw the pain of, of the sickness that my father had. And so in that realm, I really didn't have an understanding of what it meant to be a a father and or a a husband. In my younger years, I remember my father always being there. So in other words, being a father, sure, I had great uh, experience with that. But in in relation to my father, to my mother, I didn't have a, a good example of that. So I had to learn what did that really mean. And when I understood that, it just overwhelmed me with the essence of how important Terry was to me. So it is a law of priority. Laws create order, 
They create safety and they create predictability. Order, safety, and predictability. We'll talk, we'll bring all this stuff up for the next other three sessions that I do. We will keep just pouring it in and bringing it to you so you recognize all this. So let's explain when you have laws, there is order. There is order in the universe, Genesis 1, and our world. Uh, we talked about gravity with planes. You know, can, can you imagine, you know, in that with, with gravity of planes, you know, just, just flying and crashing and all that? Uh, you follow the law, it brings safety, all right? So if you don't follow the law, you run through a red light, you're not safe. The other day, I just, in my own heart, I felt like I needed to slow down at this light. And all of a sudden, someone just flew right through a red light. I know that was the Holy Spirit protecting me. It's predictable. Having a law, knowing the law of God, it's predictable. I can predict if I throw a ball in the air, it will come down. If I threw this book in the air, it would come down. Why? Because gravity is predictable. So imagine if there was no law of gravity. Imagine if there was just the principle that basically changes and it just came and went. Or it's based on culture. Or it's based on what church you go to. Or it's based on what, what country you live in. Or, or maybe you lived poorly so you had to do it a different way. No, no. See, God says it works for everybody. You're sitting in an airplane, and the pilot says, we have gravity now, and we can untether and take off. And then he says, he says, last week we lost a few planes in outer space because gravity was not there. I would suggest none of you would fly. But sit there and relax and enjoy your flight. You know, laws create order. Laws create safety. And laws create predictability. God created your marriage or marriage with laws. Marriage is orderly. Marriage is the safest relationship on earth. And marriage is predictable when you do it according to God's laws. So let me say it again. If you don't know the laws, then your sweet people... You're good people, you're nice people, but you don't know and are deceived of what marriage is about. Deception has taken over. The flesh and emotions of hurt then begin to run your home. And people are living their marriage based on hurt and based on wrong decisions. Decisions of life based out of a false premise or a deception of what marriage is. That's why we need to know the laws of God regarding marriage, regarding marriage love. So there is no mystery in marriage. There is no fear when you know the laws and live your marriage in accordance to God's plan. And I'm going to do the best that I can to give you all of this. I will help you understand it. I will help you do that. This is going to be recorded. You can listen to it over and over and over. When God created all things, he blessed everything except the man by himself. 
You know that? If you read Genesis, he blessed everything because everything, male and female, and he didn't just bless Adam, so he took Eve out of Adam. By the way, if you want to study doctrine, when God created Adam, he created them, the Bible says. So the essence of Adam and Eve were in one body. But he took the rib out, took the female out, and created and fashioned you ladies. And I thank God that God fashioned you. You are beautiful. When God created all things, he blessed everything except the man by himself. So picture with me. God looked at Adam and said, I will not bless you by yourself. So he created Eve, and then God blessed them. God blesses you, but we hinder the blessing because we're not living by the laws that God set up. We're talking about the law of priority. Your spouse is first. God created you for marriage and your children. There are a few people that are not married. They are like Jesus or the Apostle Paul. They were not a subculture. Being single, you're not a subculture. They are a superculture. The Bible tells us that. If you're single right now, you are a superculture. That you and the Lord have this amazing relationship. That doesn't mean you can't get married. But you are an amazing person, have that ability by yourself to serve the Lord. So it's time for us to return to marriage and receive it as a gift from God that it is. Your marriage is a gift from God. We must understand our marriage, how God created it, and once we do this, we need to embrace it. In other words, you need to work at it. You can't just expect it to happen. Amen. See, most people think that marriage was created for happiness. And how come you're not happy? I'm speaking to the people listening to the CD right now. I'm not speaking to you. How come you're not happy? See, God created marriage for agreement. And that agreement is in the agreement of, of okay, my wife, she's, she's good at this, but she's not good at this. She does this, she doesn't do this. No, agreement, agreement in the laws of God. And when you agree in the laws of God and you begin to walk your life in accordance with the laws of God and both of you are doing that and or one of you is doing that, you will see the power of God move because the laws of God are so powerful that they will transform the spouse that is not following the law. Amen. Amen. You see it all through the Bible. It talks about that. You see, there are a few people that are not married, but you that are married, they're here. I want you to understand, most of us were created for marriage but have been damaged by a culture that has rejected the word of God or God's laws. Because we've rejected the laws of God, then marriage, I'm just going to tell you, doesn't work. 
Oh, but pastor, I know someone, they don't go to church, and they, well, you know what? Then they're living out the laws of God. If you really study what they're doing, and they really have a good marriage, not just public, but it's private too, I will promise you they are following the laws of God. Their spouse is first priority. Because that's the only way it works. We must understand it, and once we do it, we must embrace it and work hard. So first again, it's the law of priority. Marriage must be first. Marriage has to be before your work. See, I was counsel in marriage. Most of it was career. You know, you know, when you get married, I, I know you're going to be together. You're going to live the same. There's a lot of blessings of marriage, but you know you got to work. you got to work hard. It's who you know. It's all that. And, and I'm listening to that, and there's nothing in my spirit that's jumping regarding my marriage. Marriage goes before your work, your church, your video games, TV, social media, and or, got to say it, golf. <laughs> or even the Rams. Amen. If marriage is in any other place but first, it won't work. Here's a little caveat. So I, I don't want us to get all of this extreme. Someone walk out here and says, well, you know, that pastor says that my first relationship responsibility is for God. Isn't that a given here? All right? So a little caveat, your relationship with Jesus always is first, but that creates a love for your marriage in his law because you know his law by knowing Christ. Amen. So you dive into the Lord. So, so you know, when I am saying this the rest of the time, that your marriage is first, you got it? Jesus is Lord. Amen. So in leaving mother and father, the word leave means just let it go. You're not mean about it. Before, in most cases, your parents were the most important relationship before your marriage. Amen. The old saying, blood is thicker than water, I want to tell you, spirit is thicker than blood. And we need to transform that. Spirit is thicker than blood. Marriage is not a piece of paper. You're going to get that in, in your, uh, the teaching that I gave you. Marriage is an act of God. Marriage is not a piece of paper. It's an act of God. Now, in, in our laws of the land, you know, you have a, a marriage license, all the above, that gives you all these rights and different things, privileges. But the bottom line, you need to understand that marriage is an act of God. A piece of paper is great. The blessing of your parents is great. But marriage is your spirits, is your spirits being connected, and that's the most important thing you must realize. And if you're living your life and you are so cotton-picking busy busy, and no time for your marriage, you are absolutely out of order. And you will, must expect struggle and pain. I have talked to people who have been married 20 years, 25 years, 
<clears throat> they don't even know who each other are. They have a nice house. They have a vacation house. They got a boat. They got nice cars. They got everything. Their kids are in college, and now they're by themselves, and they have no reality of who they are. Remember to the church family here that I talked about how you need to choose the best out of the good. There's a lot of good things you could do for your kids, but the best thing you could do for your kids is love your spouse. The best thing you can do for your career is spend time with your spouse. Now, I get it. I was raised with a manager and a supervisor. And my wife and I were supervisors, so always leadership is part of my DNA. And the reality is, is that DNA can bring us into a place where if we have time, maybe we'll run for 30 minutes and go to McDonald's and get a burger. By the way, I don't eat at McDonald's. Anyways, but you get a burger. The, the, the point that we have to recognize is your spouse is first, not your career, not your children, not your grandchildren. Your spouse is. The spirit connection of marriage is more profound than the blood bond of your mother and father. It's more profound. Remember the statement, leave your father and mother. They didn't have a mom. The most profound relationship is marriage, which then will produce fatherhood and motherhood and papahood and grandmahood. You can tell I'm older. From the very beginning, God said, it won't work until you reprioritize your life. If anything else takes the place of your spouse, it won't work. Think about it. When you ask your wife for her hand in marriage, think about it. When a man proposes, he is saying as he kneels romantically, I choose you to be the most important priority of my life and be the primary focus of my life with the exception of my personal relationship with Jesus. How long did that last? It's what we live for. I choose Terry. She chose me and accepted the priority of first priority. You know, for those that are single or, or even those that are married, we desire someone to choose us. That's God-given. That's not an emotional thing. Some people, oh, I don't, want to, I don't want anybody to choose me. Oh, stop it. You're walking in fear. You do. God created you. So amazing. Folks, God has just grabbed a hold of this, and he's placed it in our hands to enjoy the greatest relationship on this earth. Your marriage is amazing. It's actually, let me say it, it's perfect. 
Why? Because God created it. Well, that's how we fell in love, by choosing each other and to stay in covenant to that choice. We have to stay in covenant to that choice. You fall out of love by not following this law. Oh, pastor, we would never fall out of love. Yeah, you will if you don't abide by God's laws. You will. You will despise areas of your marriage. You will back away because, you know, you're, you're a Christian and you're not supposed to get divorced or anything like that. So because of that, you know, you're just going to back away and not touch that area of your relationship. And I'm telling you, if you're following the laws of priority, you can touch every area of relationship. And it doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt. I see some of you that are newly married in here. I see some of you that maybe don't remember when you did propose. Because you've been married a long time. The law works for all of us. Whatever culture, whatever area of your life, it works. The law of priority is not some force or luck or chemistry or soulmate, it is spiritual. It's God-given. It comes from the law of God established. God established it, its first priority. And the joy that God gets, because remember, uh, Jesus said that you are his daily delight. He's the first example of someone who is single who understands the law of priority. Father, and then you. And Jesus died for you. That's what Ephesians 5 is all about. It talks about the relationship between us and God and the relationship between the husband and wife, and it's one of the same. We're almost done here. The Word tells us we are Jesus' daily delight, and for the joy, he endured the cross. We are his priority just below the Father. We are the bride of Christ. Your spouse, because of priority, becomes your joy. Terry and I are not perfect, but I can tell you with all my heart, she's my joy. She's my joy. Exodus 34, verse 14. For you shall worship no other God, for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. One of God's names is Jealous. Did you know that? Why is he jealous? Because of intolerant rivalry. Are your children more important than your spouse? Is your job more important than your spouse? That's rivalry. You're only jealous in proportion to how much you love only. You're not jealous over somebody you don't love. In other words, you fight for the spirit love of priority. I just want to tell you in closing here, in your marriage, fight for first priority. Amen. Amen. Oh, I remember 
when Jill was born, and it was like feeding time, all the, you know, just all the time that was, just seemed like it was taken away because I was busy with my career, and we were doing this and doing that, and family and kids, and what do we do and all that, but my wife loved the home, and she prepared first priority of the home. She would make, I'd be working all day long from early morning, all day long, and I'd run home for a half hour because I had to go back to the office, you know, sometimes stupidly go back to the office. But the reality is she would prepare that dinner and we'd sit there, first priority, first priority, first priority, first priority. And in that reality, what it did was that our kids grew up, they went to college, we have grandchildren, and she's still my first priority. And she might tell you when she gets up and teach that I might be first, maybe. But anyway. Because those grandkids are pretty cool, you know. So what I'm saying, you will fight for that first priority. That extra $5, you know, that, that movie you want to watch, Many times the man is turning toward work or something outside the home. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm telling you what. There are times that God will bless you above you'd ever dreamed of in your career and everything. That still doesn't change the law of first priority. There will be times you will be busy. Terry, what did we do? When we looked at our calendar we said on the 28th through the 3rd, we are shutting down our calendar because we are so busy during all this time for everybody else that we're going to have that time frame because then the month after that is the same way. But it's first priority, and we make sure that it's done. The woman is turning towards the children or the grandchildren. We all complain but we don't listen to the power of God's law. Always keep your ears open to this first priority. Not, you're not doing that. You need to know that I'm more important than your job. There are times, you know, honey, the next three days, I'll be home this time, this time, that's it. She understands that. She's still first priority. But my job, my career, my calling, whatever you want to call it, by the way, your job outside the church is your calling. Amen. And she understands that. So during that time, we, we cut off that time, first priority. When we had children, first priority. When we had a dog, first priority. Amen. Let me close with this statement. Here it is again. Marriage was not created for happiness. It was created for agreement in God's plan for marriage. Make your marriage priority, and you will have joy in the midst of tribulation of this world. Amen?
Let's all stand. Praise the Lord. Well, the second session, you're going to have an amazing time with Terry. And you know how she is. She's funny. And she'll have fun with us. Uh, but at this moment, we're going to go ahead outside. Um, uh, Identity uh, Youth Group has helped to uh, put a lot of this together. And uh, so we're going to have food out there. And just kind of hang out, snacks out there and, and coffee, whatever it is. And just enjoy that and, and walk around. Uh, again, um, I, I just want to say I apologize regarding uh, masks, of course, because the federal government said removal of masks, but our county has said keep it on there. I'm not going to be a mask monitor, but just be honorable to one another. If If someone is wearing a mask outside, you know, just... Just put your mask on and when you're talking to them or whatever. And, and we're not going to be mask monitors. I just, I'm really tired of it. I really am. And I just want us to just enjoy one another and honor one another's heart regarding the mask. Some people want to wear them, and it's important that they do. So uh, the food out there, we'll come back together. We'll have someone yell at you uh, <laughs> and say, get back in there. And uh, just enjoy your time, and we'll see you in a little bit. God bless you.